This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? Oh, you guys. Let's try it again. What's up? The ceiling. That's what I was looking for. It's been what seems like forever since we were in this room together. And doesn't it feel, eh, it feels like four months. Um, Doesn't it feel good to be back together and worshiping a little bit, even though we have to do things we don't want to do, like wear a mask, unless, yeah. Wearing a mask is not that bad until it's hot outside and you feel like it's really humid and hot and things. So I'm excited that we are back together and that we're going to spend a couple moments together talking about how we affect the world around us. So how we affect the world around us. So what I want you to do as we get started is to think about someone in your life that you would say is your most fun friend. Your most fun friend. So think about someone in your life that you would say is your most fun friend. By just scanning the room, people that pop in my head instantly are people like Dylan. Um, Dylan's a pretty fun guy to be around. If he's around, he's bringing the party. Michael, you are up there. Y'all are like almost tied, maybe. I don't know. Um, but when I think back on my life and think about the person that made every situation a good time, I think about my buddy named Sutton. And Sutton was in our church student ministry, and anytime Sutton was around, people were laughing. People were having a good time. People were going crazy. He loved to play pranks on people. He loved to go out of his way to make sure that every person that walked into our student ministry felt like they belonged and like they had a friend in Sutton. Sutton was probably one of the most popular guys in our student ministry because of that reason, because of the fact that he knew every single person's name because of the fact that he would go out of the way to talk to every person that walked into the room and no one felt lonely. 
He made sure that everyone was having fun all the time. Anytime we were having a retreat or a camp or something like that, I would always scan the list to make sure that Sutton was going because if Sutton was going to camp, camp was going to be great. What we found out a couple years later was that I wasn't the only one. Most of the students, my friends in the student ministry thought the same thing about Sutton. (laughs) The student pastors actually told us that when they were having camp and retreats, they would go to Sutton and tell him, we need you to come because if you come, everyone else will come as well. As I look around the room, some of you have that kind of power. I think about Leighton. Like if Leighton doesn't show up, basically that whole row of guys may or may not come to church. Maybe. Come on. It's not true. I can name three tribe nights last year that one of you missed, so the rest of you are like, eh, we're good. We're not coming. That's, <laughs> Dylan said that's true. So there, Dylan, this, is, this might be Dylan's second tribe night. I don't know. That's not true. <laughs> Usually if we're serving food, Dylan's like, bet, I'm there. Um, <laughs> so we all have influence and we're all speaking a bigger story in our lives. We're all affecting people in some way. So let's say we all have friends like that, someone that has a huge effect on the people that are around them and make them feel known. So maybe for you, you know someone that is fun to be around, that everyone wants to hang out with all the time. They're so nice that they literally make you a nicer person. And for some of you, you need to find some nice people to hang out with because I've seen you play nine square and you're not so nice. Lucas, I'm looking at you. They worked so hard that their teammates or their classmates felt like they had to work harder because of them. Then on the opposite side, so if we take this fun to be around person, I think there's people in our lives that we know they're not so fun to be around. Not not so fun to be around. So they're so mean to other people that you feel on edge when you're around them. I had some friends like that in high school. They're always so mad and ticked that they bring down the mood of the entire place. Like they can walk into a room and instantly make everyone go, man, I just really want to go home because this is awkward. And here's the last one. They're so loud, you literally have to shout over them while they're talking. The whole, whole room gets louder because they're in the room. How many of you got a friend like that? And if you're not raising your hand, you may be the friend that's like that. Um, So whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, here's what's true about nearly everybody that has a significant effect on the people around them. They don't really think about it. They either don't realize they have an effect or they haven't put thought into how they could use it for the good. I don't know when the last time I thought about how I affect the friendships in the rooms and the spaces that I'm in. So I don't know when the last time you would think about that is. So what makes this series so interesting and so tricky is that we don't think about the effect that we have on other people. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the you effect, how you affect people in the situations around you. So for for some of you, your influence is extremely obvious. For some of you, you're in leadership positions. 
Like, shout out to the 252 interns, 25 students that are taking about 20 hours a week to come to church and pray for you guys and to help lead our student ministry. Some of you are in leadership at school or on your sports team. Maybe you're the captain of the volleyball team or of the football team, and you're leading the team forward. For some of you, you're the decision maker for your friend group. Like, how many of you love the question, where do you want to eat? And then everyone goes, I don't care. And then you end up choosing. And then they're all like, I didn't want this. And you're like, well, you said you didn't care. Um, So some of you are a decision maker for your friends. You know people listen to you and almost take your, your opinion seriously. Like you're the person that they come to when they're like, hey, I like this girl, should I date her? You're the person they come to when they're having problems with their parents. You're the person they come to because they trust you and they value your opinion. So it could be something as serious as who to date or something random like, what Avenger do you think is the best? In my personal opinion, is Captain America. Um, I would say Spider-Man, but Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. So let's, let's pause for a second. Time out, time out, time out. Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. I don't personally believe that Spider-Man is a full-fledged Avenger. So therefore, I will have to say that my favorite Avenger is Captain America. I mean, you can have your own opinion. You're allowed to be wrong because the best Avenger is Captain America. Hands down. We're done. Thor, Thor is weak. We're not, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not doing this. Captain America is everything everyone in this room should ever strive to be. <laughs> he is 100 years old, but that is completely okay. So, let's focus back in. We can debate the Avengers later, and I can prove to you how you're wrong. Um, but on the other hand, some of you may say, I don't affect or impact or influence anyone around me. You might say that your me effect is at zero. Like, that might be how you feel. Some of you might say, I only affect the family dog, and the family dog doesn't even listen to me all the time. We got a puppy a couple weeks ago because we're a little crazy. You got a puppy too? It's like the season of puppies. And it's like seven weeks old, and the puppy just pees everywhere. Like, he just refuses to listen to us. So maybe some of you feel that way, like you're looking at your puppy and saying, hey, don't pee on the ground, and he squats and pees anyway. You're that friend. <laughs> so some of you might be thinking, I'm not an influencer, like at all, and I don't really want to be. So tonight, either way that you would say that you're thinking, I would say that's totally normal. The truth is this, no matter what you think, or I think about influence, it's possible, even probable, that we don't realize how much you affect or me affect there really is or what could happen because of it. So today we're going to take a look at a story in one of the Gospels. So the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to take a look at the book of John at an account of how someone had a huge effect on others, even though they didn't have very much 
to give. So John is one of my favorite books of the Bible because John was one of Jesus' closest friends. Well, John said he was one of Jesus' closest friends. In the book of John, John describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. That would kind of be like me going, I'm Lucas's best friend, even though Lucas doesn't think I'm his best friend. So like John self-proclaimed himself as disciple that Jesus loved. But we also know that John was one of Jesus's closest friends because at the moment of the cross, Jesus on the cross, Jesus asked John to take care of his mother after he died. So we can read these words knowing that they were written by someone that was extremely close to Jesus, and he has a lot of details in the story. So let me set up the scene. Jesus was popular with lots of people for a lot of different reasons. Some people loved following Jesus or showing up when they heard he was in town because they heard he was a person that healed people. Some people showed up because they were curious about this guy that could heal people. They were curious about this guy that had this huge following, following him through the country. Some people showed up because they heard that if they just touched him, everything would change. Or if they just got close enough, everything would change. And some people were just flat out nosy, like, hey, what's happening? I want to know. But for whatever reason, Jesus had a lot of influence and people were always around him. So where we're going to pick up is John chapter 6. And on this particular day, it was no different than any other day in Jesus' life. So the passage reads this. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he performed by healing the sick. When Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. So imagine a scene. Imagine this scene. A large crowd had gathered to see the great miracle worker known as Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He looks at Philip and he says, what should we do? If I were Philip, I probably would have responded, well, Jesus, you're the miracle worker. What do you mean, what should we do? You can solve this problem. But instead, Philip responds this way in verse 7. Philip says, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In other words, Philip said, you've got to be kidding me. If we're going to feed everyone there better be someone with a lot of cash around to make it happen, which is a good point. I mean, can you imagine sending someone to McDonald's to order 5,000 Big Macs? And not just Big Macs, but Big Mac combos. Like, you roll up to McDonald's, you're like, hey, I need 5,000 number ones. And a bunch of ketchup. Crazy, right? And the story continues in verse 8. It says this. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among you? So apparently only one mom in the entire village decided to fix her son a lunch that day. 
So she packed this lunch, and Andrew thought this lunch was worth pointing out. I would have just loved to be a fly on the wall in this, like, in this story. Like, Jesus is like, look at all of these people. I guess there were no walls. They were outside. Um, look at all of these people. How are we going to feed them? And Andrew comes up and is like, hey, I got five pieces of bread and two fish. Like, how far can this food go? And here's what Jesus said and how Jesus went to work. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After people saw this sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. So reading this brings up all kinds of questions in my mind. Like, I hope when we get to heaven, there's like a Q&A session and we're like, can I ask Jesus whatever we want to? I don't know if that's going to be true. But here's some of the questions that this story brings up to my mind. So like, was this a buffet that Jesus just kind of like, boom, here we are. We're now at a buffet. Like, was it buffet-style serving? Um, where did the baskets come from? Like, where did you find enough baskets to put all this food in? Um, how exactly did he turn five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed everyone? But I, I don't know if you missed this last part of the this, this story. It said that after everyone ate, they passed these baskets to get the leftovers. So not only was there enough food for everyone to eat, there was also leftovers. And so here's the most important question we could ask from the story. Who had the biggest impact in this passage? Who had the biggest impact in this passage? I mean, it's easy to see that Jesus had influence on lots of it. I mean, he took the bread, he took the fish, he multiplied it, and he had made enough food for everyone. At the end of it, the large crowd called him the prophet because of the miracle that he had performed. And then there's the part of the disciples. They were impactful just by associating with Jesus. They were cool because Jesus was cool. And then you have the real superstar of the story, but maybe not who you were thinking of, but I heard someone say it, the boy with the lunch. Now, at first, it seems like the opposite. How could a kid with so little bread and fish be so influential? But the truth is, it wasn't the amount of what he had that allowed him to make a difference. It was his willingness to use what he had that made him influential. And this would be an even bigger issue in the context that we read this story in, in the day that Jesus was living. You see, during this time, children weren't really valued. So the fact that this little boy with his little lunch served all of these people and Jesus used him to make a difference is huge. And it was his willingness to do that that ended up impacting thousands of people. So can you imagine the conversation when the little boy went home with his mom? There are a thousand people, mom, and they all ate my lunch. <laughs> like, what? 
mom, there were a thousand people and this guy named Jesus took my lunch and they all ate my lunch. Like it would have been a crazy story. I bet this kid and everyone around this kid never thought that influence like this would be a part of his story. It didn't matter that he didn't take the stage. It didn't matter that no one knew his name. It didn't matter that he didn't have enough food to go around for everyone. It didn't matter that he wasn't a speaker or a preacher or that he was in a position of leadership, that he was super athletic or popular or very smart. None of that mattered. It didn't matter if he was cool or interesting at all. Jesus wasn't looking for any of that when he found this little boy. The only thing that mattered was that the boy brought all that he had and it was enough. He brought all that he had and it was enough. Because ultimately, this was about the power of Jesus and what Jesus was capable of doing through, through someone who was willing to be used to offer what they had. So let me close and wrap this up by making it very practical for you. So when it comes to you affecting the world around you, it's all about you being willing to show up and offer what you have. But before that's possible, you have to recognize this. You have more of an effect than you think. You have more of an effect than you think. In your schools, you have more of an effect than you think. In our church, you have more of an effect than you think. In your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, you affect people more than you will ever realize. So the question is, are you affecting them for the good or are you affecting them for the bad? So imagine if the little boy was listening to Jesus teach and he believed he could have no effect on the situation. There probably wouldn't be any story to tell. Like if he didn't think in his pure little child mind that my five loaves of bread and my three fish could help this situation, if he had counted himself out, we probably wouldn't be talking about this story 2,000 years later. So you have more of an effect on people around you than you think. The way we see influence needs to change. It's time to begin to realize that having influence and impact is really just being willing to do something with what you have, no matter how big or how small what you have is. In other words, having an impact isn't about doing more, having more, or knowing more people. It's about offering what you already have to those around you. It's about choosing to believe, even when it seems unbelievable, that you'll have an effect on your friend group, that you'll have an effect on your sports team, that you'll have an effect on your family, that you'll have an effect on your siblings. You just need to imagine what God could do with you and your you effect in your own little world. What could God do with you? How can God shape the world that you live in if you allow him to allow you to affect people for the better? So as you think about it, here are a few steps to consider. Identify the who. Who are the immediate people in front of you that you have the potential to influence? 
Who are the people closest to you? Maybe it's as simple as thinking about your teammates or your siblings or your friends or even your family. So start with the who. Who around you do you have the potential to impact? The second thing is this. Identify the need. What is, the perp- what is it that the people around you need? Is it encouragement? Is it time? Is it someone to listen? Someone to help them with homework? It could be something simple. Identify the need. And the third thing is this. Identify what you can do to help and then do it. Like it's simple. So who is it around you that needs help? What is the need? And identify what you can do to help and do it. So the band can go ahead and make their way back this way as we get ready to wrap up. So before we head out, I want you to think about a person in your life that has affected you in a positive way. What was it about them that allowed you to have an impact, allowed them to have an impact on you? How did their influence impact you for good? In the same way that others have had an effect on you, you have the same ability to have an effect on others. That's why we do a lot of the things that we do around here. That's why we have tribe groups. That's why we are starting tribe communities. That's why we are doing this 252 internship. Because we truly believe that you have the ability to affect the people that are around you. As long as you're identifying the who. So who around you needs help? What exactly do they need? And how are you going to help them? Ultimately, God is the one who has the power to change people. All you have to do is show up, offer what you have, and let him do the rest. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that we have the ability to come back in a room and worship you. I know it's something that a lot of times I know I take for granted, and maybe these students, if they were honest, they would say that they take for granted as well, the freedom to worship you. God, I pray is that as we go through this week that you put people in our paths that we can have a great effect on. As we think back over our lives and we think about people that have impacted us for the better, I pray that that helps inspire us to be that person for someone that needs it. And God, as Morgan challenged us with, I pray that we can find at bare minimum 15 minutes a day to spend with you. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of reading the scriptures, and five minutes of prayer. Oh, what our lives would look like if we just took time to spend with you. God, I thank you for my friends in this room. I pray that as we get ready to go back into worship, that you would just meet us here in this place. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.